This is the week, everybody. March 5th, my very first documentary, Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics, will now be available on iTunes and Amazon for rent and to purchase. Please check it out. It's a great mix of it. It has some of my stand-up from my tour, Good Trip, mixed with, uh, with some amazing interviews with the top psychedelic researchers out there. It shows me having some experiences uh, and a whole lot of unexpected things happened during the filming and it made it real interesting. Please check it out. You're supporting me. You're supporting uh, psychedelic research. You're supporting science generally. I'm hoping to make more uh, science-themed documentaries in the future uh, getting away from uh, just psychedelic stuff and and doing other topics as well and so if we happen to make some money off of this documentary we're going to use that to make more documentaries that are kind of similar to this where we're exploring science from a hopefully more entertaining way than most people normally hear about science and and from a funnier way and mixing in my stand-up and that sort of thing. That's the hope. That's the plan for the future. So if you want to help me make my dreams come true, check out Psychonautics. Go to Psychonautics Film. That's P-S-Y-C-H-O-N-A-U-T-I-C-S, psychonauticsfilm.com. You can also if you don't remember how to spell it, you can go to Shane Moss, M-A-U-S-S dot com. There's links there to the website, and I hope you check it out. I hope you uh, give it a good rating and enjoy it and spread the word. Thank you so much for the support. This has been, uh, I think we started filming this two years ago now, and now it's coming out, so it's just a real exciting time for me. So thank you all for your interest. I hope you get a chance to watch it and enjoy today's episode about psychedelics. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, my guest, we did a panel at the Los Angeles Psychedelic Science Symposium a few months ago. Happened to be in L.A. at the same time that I happened to be visiting L.A., both here for a very short trip. And just last minute, we are able to line up this podcast. She is the author of the book Heart Medicine, A True Love Story, One Couple's Quest for the Sacred Iboga Medicine and the Cure for Addiction. Did I nail it? I did. And she is also a sacred medicine coach and addiction recovery coach. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth Best, everybody. How'd you feel about it? How was that intro? Did I miss anything? Well, I would say sacred medicine integration coach. Oh. That part. What did I might say instead? People. Sacred medicine coach, which people oh, might think. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm saying I'm a provider right now. So. But you're not a provider <laughs> well, right now. Almost. Well, We're see, like now look at this interesting conversation. <laughs> my my uh, initial reaction would be to hit stop and re-record that intro. Can we, let it, can and we now let it roll? 
I mean, it feels like we're this is so genuine. We're all now we're into the. the this yeah. is one of those serendipitous mistakes that allowed you to now mention this other aspect of of uh, of what you're moving toward in the future. And this episode mm-hmm. isn't going to be released for a few months, so you're going to be that much closer to that that. Uh, the uh, that journey That's end true. of that journey it's something some part <laughs> some aspect that. of that journey I'm not sure there's a finish line to much of anything in life but <laughs> you'll be closer to something and uh, and hopefully that introduction allows people to feel like they don't always have to be perfect yeah you don't have to be perfect <laughs> well maybe this was perfect in its own way <laughs> ah um, <laughs> so Elizabeth we had such a terrific panel during the conference day you think so i thought we were having fun we got some beautiful moments out mm-hmm. there we had it was uh it because it was a science conference it mm-hmm. was a little it, it was a you know uh, there was a lot of science science can at times be a hair dry and and some of the uh and, and not not even it, it's just it's one thing to intellectualize something but it's another it's another thing to like feel it to kind of see it to see the change Mm -hmm. in the world and that was a little bit about what our what our panel uh was was about is really kind of uh hearing about uh, taking some of the science that they were hearing about during the conference and personalizing Mm -hmm. it a little bit the personal stories of people being helped by the medicine and it's a very good addition yeah, and and this is a science podcast, but it's sometimes nice for not that we're we aren't going to talk about science at all because we are, mm-hmm. but uh, but it is it's sometimes uh, I like sharing a lot of details about my my personal uh, life because it helps people connect some of these bigger ideas sometimes, and mm-hmm. and I thought that uh, uh, this would be a lovely addition to the show to have you on to share some of your uh, your stories because it's. Uh, it's it's an amazing story. Can you tell a little bit about how? First off, I don't. We haven't. I'm not sure we've really talked. We certainly have never had an episode about ibogaine mm-hmm. on the show. I'm sure it's been mentioned, um, but I don't even remember. So, for any new listeners out there, people that forgot, can you talk a little bit about what ibogaine is? First mm-hmm. of all, or you can do this in whatever order you like, and how you uh, first got introduced to it. Sure, thank you. So there is iboga and ibogaine, and there are. And I'm some... screwing them up right now. No, you're not. This no, I've a... made a fool of myself. <laughs> you don't you dare let me off the hook for that. I just I, I ruined could kick everything. No. Uh, this is a great point for, for people to learn about the difference. So iboga is the plant medicine from Central West Africa that has been used in ceremony for we really don't know how long. Evidence shows it's quite an ancient practice. And the first people who were holding this medicine were the Babongo people. They're also called the pygmies, but they call themselves the Babongo people. And uh, they're the deep forest dwelling people that shared it with the Buiti tradition, who we hear about having it today. And the Babongo people are the second oldest genetic line in the world. So they've probably been using this for a while. And uh, it's it's used uh, for spiritual initiation to become fully human and know what life is, is uh, what they use it for primarily. There are other uses for it as well, um, like 
hunting. They'll use it in microdoses for hunting, for communal, community ceremonies, uh, for diagnosis and prescription. It's one of the key ways that uh, the indigenous people research. That's part of their science is using the medicine to uh, scan people like an x-ray and prescribe, diagnose, find the right plants that they need, other plants. And then the, there's ibogaine, which is a single alkaloid that comes from the iboga plant. And specifically what they use is is an inner layer of a root bark. Um, and the ibogaine is produced semi-synthetically in a pharmaceutical uh, lab. And it's very useful for detox, rapid detox. But beyond that, really understanding the roots of addiction. It's a visionary shamanic journey that can help people really understand what what is at the core of, of where it all started and how to heal that. Um, and so see, the iboga medicine has at least 12 alkaloids that we know of. And it's a different experience. I've heard from people who do both, who have done both, and they you s- haven't done both. I have not experienced pure uh, pharmaceutically produced ibogaine. Mm-hmm. I have experienced many forms of the iboga, mm-hmm. served in a lot of different ways. Uh, so, for people who have experienced both, they have told me that the total alkaloid extract is much more powerful, richer, deeper. Um, however, I feel that there is very much a place for the use of ibogaine in medical detox, especially because it can be produced from another plant that is more sustainably grown, the Voaconga africana plant. And that's very helpful because there are sustainability issues with iboga right mm. now. So uh, so first off, this stuff sounds great. What can't you use iboga for? I mean, <laughs> here you, you're selling me this sounds terrific. What do you say? You're bored. You're having a sleepy <laughs> Sunday. Can you can you throw some iboga down the hatch? No, or? I would. You know, there's a lot of talk about microdosing these days, uh-huh. and I would never recommend for anyone to go DIY and try to microdose <laughs> yeah, let's either get of that those <laughs> alone. I have an you know, my respect to those DIY uh, adventurers. But in this particular case, it's important to know that not everyone has that kind of good experience. And I've heard of people having a full flood dose, weak in the knees, visions off of 50 milligrams of iboga. What's a regular? That's like a microdose for me helping out in ceremony would be like 200. And so that's someone needing a lot of help. At that point, if they're having visions and, and laid out, and I've also seen a big guy pass out completely uh, from a little bit of root bark. So the way that it can be microdosed is to really have a relationship with a provider or an indigenous community and come to understand the medicine and your tolerance really well in a safe environment. Uh, that would be my uh, my offering for microdosing. And- so... I shouldn't just start chewing on random barks in odd <laughs> quantities and just like seeing what happens. You should no. probably have like a professional involved. Uh, I had some people contact me. I, I'm a big fan of, of uh, psychedelics. They've been instrumental in my life. I've also lost my mind on psychedelics, but mm-hmm. um, I, uh, uh, I'm a fan. I'm an adventurer. I'm an explorer. I'm, I'm, I'm semi-retired at the moment. I, I, I might get my... 
psychedelic astronaut helmet back on again one day, but um, I'm kind of good for now. Um, And if you're good, leave good alone. Leave good right where it is. Um, (laughs) There's there's no point in in, uh, messing with good. Uh, no. that, that's 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 a, a very important lesson that I learned. From I, I agree. And the American approach is bigger, better, faster, more. Mm-hmm. And that's not always a good thing in the world of these sacred medicines that need time mm-hmm. to really integrate. And you asked about how I came to the medicine. Well, can I just uh, I'm going to share a funny anecdote first oh, and okay. then and then you're going to get into your wonderful beautiful okay. story. How's that sound? Go for it. Right. I can't wait. So, uh this this is just I think it just serves as just a, a little bit of a uh warning not even a warning more of an instructional like hey do this stuff in a professional way if you're thinking about doing it people can find resources on your website and everything too absolutely Uh, um why don't you share that with people now just so we don't forget ebast.net that's e-b-a-s-t .net. And I, I do have a page on the menu called Iboga with a lot of very important medical safety tips and questions to ask providers and a very few provider listings of people that I know and trust and understand the sourcing of their medicine and the way that they facilitate. And some great links, articles, uh, a documentary, and a lot of great stuff on the blog as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so this is why you need listeners, why you need to go and find, I, Harry, I got a professional for you on here that you get to hear from, and then you can go and you can learn more. Here's what someone reached out to me. Cause first off, especially at the time it was, uh, it was something I was considering. I have, uh, I have, I, I had some pretty bad alcohol issues and just couldn't, uh, alcohol was negatively affecting my life and it was uh, hard to rid myself of. I wanted to like, I also wanted to quit smoking. I wanted to, you know, all sorts of things. Wanted to get, be better as a person. Um, and I, so I was thinking about, cause I had some people reach out. So I became known a little bit for my, uh, psychedelic adventures. And, uh, and since I've had some people reaching out because people want me to like come to Costa Rica or whatever to participate and, you know, just so I can share my experience with, with more people. So I get, I get people offering me experiences, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pretty often. So I have to like be fairly Ooh. discerning, uh, discerning about, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the perks of the jobs, but I also have to be a, a bit careful but i was asking um rick doblin uh, the uh, head of the maps organization the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies as you listeners i'm sure already know uh i was asking him about it i was like rick i'm thinking about doing iboga i have this opportunity it sounds so interesting i do i have these things but i've heard it can be like a 24-hour nightmare and he goes oh no no it can be a lot longer than that. <laughs> yeah, it can. <laughs> and that was my, that was like the first time that I really heard a, a real personal experience um, from from someone who's who was knowledgeable and whose opinion I respected. And so it it gave me enough pause to. I still haven't done it. Uh, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have any need. I don't think for any psychedelic at the moment. But different people are in different situations and your situation that mm-hmm. you're going to share is absolutely incredible. So here it is. I got my funny anecdote in. 
Now, uh, now we get we get out the tissues and we get to hear your beautiful story. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't need too many tissues. I'm gonna cry. I'm already <laughs> crying a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. That that was a really great intro about the medicine, and I encourage people to pause. Uh, I don't think all medicines are right for all people all the time. Uh, I'm happy to hear about a big respect for these medicines and and waiting for a real soul call to do them and then understanding why one is doing them and finding really great providers. Uh, so thank you, you know, for, for that. Um, and also, we just don't always need to consume, consume, consume. We, we need to uh, become the psychedelic medicine every day uh, is my goal. So you just want to dissolve and die. <laughs> be the medicine. Yes. Uh, that uh, in my great relationship, deep relationship with this plant, that message stands out clear to not need to use it and take it out of the earth all the time. Uh, to, to receive what we need to receive, but then become medicine. And what brought me to the medicine was my love at the time, my partner who I'd been with for six years, beautiful man, goes by Chora Boogie. He's an amazing visionary artist. And at that point... You said goes by Chora Boogie. Is that his <laughs> real name? It's... A street art alias. Okay. Which they all have. Yeah, yeah. Mostly. I was going to say, it's, it's way too awesome of a name <laughs> to be real. Sure, boogie on the birth certificate. Uh, it's 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 like, you know, people get spiritual names in initiation. It's quite similar. Uh, it means like chop wood, carry water, and boogie while you do it. Like you, have, you do your chores and you boogie. And mm -hmm. yeah, he goes by, by that and a.k.a. Joaquin Lamar Haley. And uh, he, we had a very deep relationship, living together, uh, planning to live together forever, and came to me one day and told me he had had a heroin relapse of injecting heroin. And I never thought I would face that situation. I never thought I would stay for a moment with somebody going through that. And in that moment, I had this experience of a message just saying, pray, wait, listen. And I spent some time in nature, and Iboga came so bright into my mind. And in that moment, I couldn't remember where I'd heard about it. I couldn't, it was so deep in, in the dark corners of my psyche, I couldn't remember how I knew about it or how I had a vague knowing that it was good for addiction. It was somewhere in there. And in retrospect, it was probably reading Daniel Pinchbeck's book, Breaking Open the Head, many years prior. And then I'd had very few beautiful experiences with ayahuasca and peyote and wachuma in the decade before that. So I had a reference point for medicine. And I came home and did a lot of research, which is hard, which is one of the reasons why I'm here talking to you, because there's a lot of misinformation on the web. There's a lot of uh, scary tales when people are misusing that powerful medicine or not having a good source of medicine. Or the earth is flat. Yeah. <laughs> there's some misinformation out there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And it was hard to filter through all of that. 
but I was pretty tenacious and I'm, I was grateful for the community of psychedelic explorers that I know that helped us out. And we also, um, so it wasn't something he wanted to do immediately. He was terrified at first and very unsure. He'd had a friend who'd really misused the medicine. He had mail ordered it, which is a big problem. There's a lot of issues and dangers with that. And he had done it alone. And for me, this this medicine is the most powerful entheogenic medicine in a way that I've experienced. And that's just a setup for being afraid. You know, that mm. he didn't have a good experience. And then it's just like, just give me this bark and a bathtub to lay in and I'm yeah. set. Yeah. And, and he did it all alone with no context of relationship, tribe, accountability, no integration support. And he ended up having an orientation toward the medicine where he thought it could cut off an addiction whenever it became inconvenient and it started to get harder and harder and harder on him until he wound up in a hospital in a very bad situation. Um, so he was afraid after hearing that story. And I, I had, I shared my thought on that, that, uh, that's, that's not a good way to approach sacred medicine. Um, that's really more of a consumer approach rather than apprentice approach and that apprentice approach is so valuable so uh, we also heard uh, joe rogan's podcast with aubrey marcus and that was a nice sign hearing hearing these guys talk about that experience we found a lot of video testimonials that from good providers that was helpful did it help that aubrey marcus is incredibly handsome did that help <laughs> that helpful your opinion in any way i feel Absolutely. like i couldn't sell the iboga experience as well as that magnificent looking man well i love the archetype that he's holding right now for society mm -hmm. you know that he's this big strong beautiful accomplished guy that is also CEO and is doing things for social profit. Yeah, I kind of hate him a little bit, but he's going. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's doing good things, and yeah, when I see, with his guy. abundance, I see him constantly serving. And, anyways, for me, that was a voice that that mattered to us in mm -hmm. our journey to get to the medicine. And really, you'll read about it in the book. It was a very messy roller coaster, and I was very concerned at times that he wouldn't live. It got bad and scary and strange, and he made it, and we made it by the skin of our teeth. And through my research, I learned that it was also very helpful, or it could be helpful, for PTSD, which is something that I had struggled with for a long time. And it and it did help in a lot of ways, but I don't attribute to that. Uh, don't attribute that just to getting the material in my body. I attribute it to how we prepared how we participated, how we had good facilitation, and how we did a lot of integration work. Um, so it was it was beautiful. The, the first journey I had with the medicine, I almost didn't want to do it again. It was so difficult. It was the most intense cleanse, like purging way more than ayahuasca. It really excavated my psyche. And one thing I learned, and it happens quite commonly, beginning in the beginning, I call it the mind purge. It's usually one of the first iboga experiences where thoughts come pouring out of your mind like a million miles a minute 
it's excavating the psyche of just every fear, every attachment, everything you've ever seen. It gets real weird in there. Like everything from pop culture is just spinning out and I was sweating and cold and and I'd had good navigation advice from our facilitator and um in the morning came and and we were getting up and and I thought oh, maybe I can say something polite to excuse myself from the next journey I don't ever want to do this again but I had this message to receive all that the medicine was trying to give me there and I felt very safe and good and I'm really glad I did it again and have been learning ever since, uh, going deeper into the studies. Hmm. Please walk Sparky for me. No way. <laughs> I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large. Deal. Get a sweet deal. $2 any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky, I would have walked you for free. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Offer valid through 4322 or participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required. So I was just confused in one part. When you said it was, when you said a chore had a very difficult time, was that before the first iboga? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was when you're still kind of on the fence about it and making Mm -hmm. some decisions. And then, and so things, things got worse and worse. Well, we were on the fence. He was on the fence and, and then said he made a decision to go. And then things were still really scary and up and down and all over the place and really didn't know if he was going to make it even after he made the decision. Um, but we made it there and, and he in a sense had a, gentler experience (laughs) even than I did Uh, and I've never seen anything like that in my life to see him go into treatment looking one way and in a very dark head space and coming out of treatment the next day saying I love my life and looking like he just ran a marathon and had a bunch of facials and looked 10 years younger and his eyes were clear and I could see the man that I fell in love with. I could see his soul where his soul was so polluted. I barely recognized him from the night before. Wait, are you telling us that Iboga can get rid of wrinkles too? (laughs) My goodness, you are really selling this stuff. (laughs) There's people that are going to sign up for it just just for that alone. Sure, sure, sure. I'm going to learn about myself. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spiritual journey. (laughs) Can I get rid of a few wrinkles? Isn't that like one of the top selling like products in the oh, industry that and like boner pills sure <laughs> yeah i, I hey, mean it works for that too <laughs> oh well look at that no it's notorious as an aphrodisiac uh, so you're just is. you're rolling around having a nightmare just hard as could be just <laughs> just the most direct you've well, never been in your sometimes life sometimes it doesn't happen immediately these okay, okay horrible back horrible up. nightmares of like <laughs> clowns from childhood spinning through your mind and an uncontrollable <laughs> erection is that what the is that what the iboga experience is like i'm i haven't done it before okay usually those parts it. don't happen at the same time okay, okay. but 
as you get more experience with the medicine, sometimes it can. And but it's like the microdoses. That's, that can that's really kinda, do that. I guess if you're a practitioner, like if you're going to practitioner school for iboga, which in, in the future world that will be a thing, you'll be like, I'm going to be an iboga doctor. And uh, and then mm. you go in and the first day they're like, you, know, you got to watch, you know, sometimes they have erections during the, <laughs> during the thing. So just like try to pretend it's not happening. Just ignore it. Be a professional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it's more it's more the microdoses and yeah, they have some incredible things in that African jungle. Uh it's really amazing abogas. That'll Just be one of them. Uh, listen guys, iboga will make your penis bigger. You heard it here first. It'll, see now I've I've pushed I've crossed the line. No, I've gone too up. far. Here here's well, here's what I the reason why I make such silly jokes is because we live in such a ridiculous society that those are the types of things that people like really care. If you told people, if you told people to it, like, you're sitting here, you're, you're, you go, oh, this this wonderful, beautiful artist uh, it was on the brink of death, mm. cured a heroin addiction, heroin, a horrible epidemic in our country. Uh, it's near seems unstoppable at yeah, times. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, now fentanyl, and it seems like it's mm-hmm. only getting worse. And uh, and you can learn about yourself. You can you, you can uh, gain closure with past trauma. There, and there's people listening here going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like not even. But you tell people if you tell people that oh, iboga could or add a quarter of an inch onto uh, guys would be like, oh, what? Well, maybe I could lose my mind. Well, so what? <laughs> and, and it's just, it, that, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that's where we live. It's, it's where we're at right now. That's why it, it's that, that's, that it's just, it's going to be such a journey to get culture from where it is right now, which is there. And I, and maybe, yeah. maybe that's an unfair assessment on, on culture. Maybe that's me projecting. Maybe no, that's my own. I juvenile think that's pretty innocent. fair. And uh, to get from there to, to where we kind of need to be, uh, is going to be a very long path. Um, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that's why it's important to hear stories like that. And sometimes me tell a few dick jokes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, it's, it's, uh, I think it's no coincidence that the medicines are really on the move right now. No. No coincidence at all. And there are different viewpoints on where medicine should be experienced, you know, whether it's in its indigenous environment or whether it's in Canada. But my understanding from the indigenous people that I get to visit with in Africa is that they they receive the message that the medicine is being revealed at this time for a reason and the medicine is moving for a reason. And so hopefully it'll help people forget about uh, wrinkle creams and silly things and be more concerned with what they're using their penis for than how big it is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, here, here's what might happen. You might take iboga and you might stop obsessing over your penis size, which is a thing that oh, your yeah. your your uh, your <laughs> potential mate or potential mate would would probably find a very welcoming change in in your life. Yeah. So, um, so that that that's reality. So it's, the, yeah. I see these things happen. I see yeah. people have a different quality of life when they come to medicine and when they come in a good way. You hear mostly about. Uh, I say, I say you, I mean, a per- I should say I, I hear mostly 
about iboga used specifically for opiate addiction or why why is that is is that <clears throat> is that because it's it's um specifically effective to that a particular issue or is it because well it could be a myriad of reasons or is another possibility that that people are uh people suffering from opiate addictions are are the ones that uh are kind of maybe desperate for the most help and maybe maybe the most open to taking a chance on going to africa to sit in some tribe and something that seems completely foreign to well, that, to our our you know western ways that's a great point first i wouldn't recommend that anyone go to africa for a detox don't go to africa for a detox mm-hmm. <laughs> go to africa after your detox and be in canada or mexico with trusted providers for your detox it's it's enough of an initiation just to get to africa and not get malaria and yeah they got enough of their <laughs> own problems they're, they're trying to deal with malaria yeah. and then you show up and, like, and oh. you have to take so much root bark for a detox it's uh-huh. almost inhumanly possible and maybe even a little dangerous for how much root bark someone has to consume it's much better i feel to either work with the total alkaloid iboga extract or the ibogaine yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So why is it good for opiate addiction? Is that what yeah. you're asking? Sure. Yeah. Well, again, that's one thing that it does. But the original purpose is for spiritual discovery and learning what it is to be human and learning what life is. Um, that's its primary purpose. And the opiate uh, detox is one little thing that it can do. It's like, just because it can. It's a very intelligent medicine, and it can go in and bathe the opiate receptor sites in the brain, so they become like completely baptized. It resets the serotonin levels. It causes uh, neurogenesis, which is the production of new neurons, you know, new brain cells, and it um, brings uh, about a state of neuroplasticity for three to six months, after treatment, which is a super valuable time, it's a gift, you know, where you feel very extra energized and you can learn new routines and habits and change your life, if, which is often really necessary, you know, to change one's life if they're in a toxic situation. So all of those benefits help help to alleviate opiate addiction. It's also good for many other kinds of addiction, behavioral addictions and uh, alcohol, cigarettes. It's important to have a really clear and strong intention. That's how the medicine works. Have have that or a, a willingness to be open that it will work if people have a strong intention. And it doesn't cleanse the GABA receptor sites, which is tied into alcohol. So there are some contraindications. It's still good. It's still good to reset people when they're properly prepared medically first for any contraindication they might have. Hmm. So how do they know this? What what kind of uh what kind of studies uh have been done? How how do you um are are you familiar with some of the science out there? Some, yeah. I don't know that I memorized it all. Oh, <laughs> oh you God. didn't memorize all of science. <laughs> I have resources though. There's some great resources. Maps has done a couple of studies mm-hmm. that are very interesting. Um, one in New Zealand, one in Mexico, and uh, they had much higher success rates for abstinence than our standard 
models of care for people right now. And then it went quite high, up to 60%. There was a study done by uh, Dr. Rasmussen in Brazil where he was treating, uh, I believe, cocaine and crack addicts uh, with a much better support system with aftercare. And they had up to a 60% abstinence rate. Not to say that abstinence is the only marker of success. A lot of times when there's relapses, people are having uh, less severe relapses and a much higher uh, quality of life coming out of that. And the third wave.co, I believe the third wave.co is a great website for some of the research that's out there. Maps, uh, Global Ibogaine Therapy Alliance has a lot of studies research. There's a bunch on PubMed. Uh, you can find some of them on my website. Dr. Deborah Mash is one of the great pioneers of research. She's a neuroscience professor out of Florida that has done so much work with ibogaine and clinical research and understanding its effects on addiction detox and other things. So there, it's out there. It's mm-hmm. out there. And it's so sad. Uh, you know, it's still a schedule one substance and we have uh, initiatives for pilot programs in Maryland and Vermont right now and a federally funded program being launched in New York. So things are hopefully changing. I hope so as well. So you had, uh, so so you said maybe like a decade ago or something, you had like peyote and uh, you had some other kind ceremonies. Kind of peppered over other, the decade, like once or twice a year, significant a ceremonies, just a little of, sprinkle. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't have to consume every weekend. That's not right for me, <laughs> but just peppered here and there. How are you going to be cool? <laughs> I... Okay, so it was peyote. What were some of the other ones that you had yeah, done previously? Yeah, uh, previously, I, so once or twice a year. And tell, tell me just a little bit about the, the, here's where I'm going with this question. This is what I want to know. If psychedelics have these great healing properties, I believe mm-hmm. they do. Uh, I've experienced them myself, in my opinion, but sometimes I check myself. I'm like, well, how much of that was the psychedelic and how much was just like, you know, it, it gave me a, a chance to like start exercising a little bit. Maybe if I would have just been jogging this whole time, it would have been fine. You know, yeah. and, and so I, I do, I, I spend a lot of time being like, you know, before I go necessarily attributing all of the good things in my life to uh, mushrooms, for example, mm-hmm. like how, how much was other things? So if, if these psychedelic experiences uh, have so much therapeutic p- potential, why did he even need the iboga in the first? Why didn't uh, why didn't peyote and the other ones take care of it for you? And what were those experiences like? And what was you know at that time in your life? So, what were you saying? Why didn't they take care of it for me? Like the yeah. Well, I want to know what those experiences were like a little bit, and what sure basically okay. kind of what I'm getting at is what the difference, the difference. because it seems like you're you're kind of. A, a little more toward Team Iboga is is, <laughs> is what uh, is what seems to have been the most compatible medicine uh, for you and your situation in your life. But you tried other things, and they weren't yeah. as there wasn't the same compatibility. Well, yeah, I'd love I'd love to speak on that. And so I, I have experienced peyote uh, in ceremony and ayahuasca once or twice a year, and. Several Wachima ceremonies, uh, Hape, uh, more recently 5-MEO, and tried LSD twice when I was 15. And that's it. And, and mushrooms as well. And they're all beautiful and all they were, they were arriving to me at the perfect time. 
with that particular medicine that I was ready for. And they all have a purpose and a function. And working with iboga now, I'm primarily just called. I'm called and inspired. Uh, I, I, I watched it so intimately. I lived through it. I really empathize with people suffering from addiction and people who love people who suffer from addiction. And it was just a calling um, to share our story, even though it was super vulnerable. And um, I love all the other medicines. They really have their time. And I would, I would just add to that, that, um, the, the iboga definitely helped me with PTSD more than the other ones had, but not to say that they couldn't help other people with, uh, PTSD as well. You know, that's, that's totally possible. So for me, it was just a calling and I still will occasionally and very respectfully work with other medicines to come to understand other medicines. I like learning about medicines, but with lots of room to breathe and integrate. Iboga does not like to be close to other medicines. Uh, it, it hurts me a bit when I hear about, um, new age providers giving like ayahuasca one night, wachima one night, iboga the next night. That is so dangerous for so many reasons, psychologically and physically and, yeah, but it's your bachelor party. <laughs> you're trying to, you know, get all those wild experiences in before you're locked down. <laughs> you know, I don't know. All right, so we had to pause for a second. So I was just making a wonderfully fantastic bachelor party joke, if I remember correctly. And the main thing I was trying to allude to was um, we, uh, so I kind of just wanted to know what the difference was for mm-hmm. you, why why sure. iboga was was good in this case for PTSD. And then I also want to know about what your first experience was like. Sure, yeah. So um, the iboga is different from other medicines. Ayahuasca is, to me, a very feminine spirit and I, I will use a gendered language here because that's my experience of it. it was a very feminine presence and the iboga is far more masculine to me even though they call it a dual spirit plant or it can be either mother or father they say <clears throat> it's a very confrontational medicine it helps me to face my fears and breathe through it um, it is very rooting, grounding. It helps me to, my experiences have helped me to get clear on my focus. And, and yeah, it is the foremost addiction breaking substance I've ever encountered or that I know about. And I was really addicted to negative thoughts. I was really, even though I've been through, um, 20 plus years of yoga and meditation and other medicines, this is a medicine that helped me the most with my relationship to my mind mm-hmm. and realizing as I was purging, I, I was purging up all of this stuff that felt like the biochemical poison that is produced in my body with habitual negative thinking 
where, and that's literally true. We can make cortisol with our thoughts. We can make adrenaline with our thoughts. We can make. It's a horrifying idea, by the way. You just did it. You just, now did I you freak just you released, out? You just released cortisol in all of my listeners. Okay, well, we can make oxytocin too <laughs> with go. our thoughts. <sighs> Think loving things. What do you love the most? But I was really addicted to fearful thoughts and resentments. Mm-hmm. And these were really I holding think, me back. I think a lot of us are uh, fear addicts. I think that's, uh, I think. Fear the, addicts, the, the, yeah, uh, absolutely. culture kind of very much addicted to fear. We talk about negativity mm-hmm. bias and other related things on the podcast. But I, I, I believe that to be a uh, bit of a truism in any way of looking at it from a scientific perspective or otherwise. And it's more common in our culture. I would, I would say that fear, anxiety, and also uh, self-loathing. Uh, my experience in Africa. Oh, I love, I love a little <laughs> self-loathing. Oh, I love just getting in there and just hate myself for a little while. Just oof. It's yeah. so common. It's really well, sad. Well, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to hate your. People get like really sad if you hate your. If you're like, I hate myself sometimes. People are like, oh no no no. But if you like, if you're like, ah, I hate that guy or I hate that. Name, people are like, yeah yeah, I get it. You know, I hate people <laughs> do sometimes. You're like, I hate this one region of people. I'm like, okay, well. We should probably mm. go to war with them. Now, you can have like a bumper sticker that's like, I hate everybody. And people are like, yeah, people, you know, what are you going to do? But, mm. if, but if you hate yourself, people are like, oh, no, 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 come on. And it's like, I, well, I know me. I at least know what my flaws are. <laughs> at least if I hate myself, I earned it a little bit. Like I'm not, <laughs> I, I may be being a little rough on myself, but it's like for my inescapable credit card debt or something <laughs> something like that. Not not just for some blind like straw person that i've made up in my mind so so you know i i think i think there's i think a little bit of self-criticism is healthy and probably why it's there mm-hmm. and it just gets and i think sometimes we get uh we do get kind of addicted to to that some of yeah. i think i think any of our i think a lot any of our personalities and emotional states are, are uh, all these different drivers and, and some of them once they take the wheel uh it can it can just become uh uh habitual uh, absolutely state. yeah and sometimes people don't know that there is any other option mm-hmm. uh that it that exists and um there is a difference between like a healthy discernment and checking ourselves inventory you know right. of ourselves and self-hatred right. and a lot of people are, are really suffering and when we went to africa for the first time about six months after our, our first treatment uh in costa rica we we learned that they didn't know what anxiety and depression are mm-hmm. They didn't even have a reference point for oh, it. Oh, dear. They were that lost. Huh? <laughs> well, we got to get over there and get them some pills. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> oh, it's a whole new market. No. Yeah. They, they, uh, not, they to, not to say now, I, not to say that those conditions aren't very real for some people, but it, it makes me look at the holistic picture of the presence of the medicine and the way that they live in community and the way that they have regular ceremonies where you're dancing and singing and drumming all night long. And being in nature and being connected to nature, those are all really powerful forms of medicine. And they have a tradition that it's the study of life. It's not a religion, they say. Uh, They say it's a tradition where they study themselves and they study life. And they made a very good point when we went out there. They said, you in the West, you'll spend your whole life studying everything outside of yourself when you go to school. You go to school and you, generally speaking, 
except in fancy Waldorf schools or whatever, you generally learn all this data about everything else, but this you don't is, study very important. yourself. This is serious. Life is serious. There's it's scary out there. There's bills. You got to pay attention. Stop playing around. Stop having fun. You got to sit here and listen to some weird made-up trivia about Christopher Christopher Columbus <laughs> propaganda because the this is going to prepare you for America. cubicle life, and that is. It's very, very important. This is serious. No joking. Cubicle life, man. You nailed it. And and we can we can learn learn about things outside of ourselves as we study ourselves. It's just that it's it's been neglected, and people are very isolated these days too, which makes a big difference for a lot of people in the West of having a purely digital life and being disconnected from voice and hugs and community like the kind of community where people will show up and help you move like that's community not your 5,000 followers or whatever but people who will help you and bring you soup when you're sick i mean i like an emoji here (laughs) or there to brighten my day let's not be too hard on the digital no 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 it serves a purpose yeah for sure but it's good to have real community in our entire consciousness sometimes and leave our actual body an empty husk Hallelujah. And real community is really important, mm-hmm. I feel like, especially for wellness. Yeah. So you had your first experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, in Costa Rica and went to Africa. And what, What's with Costa Rica and Iboga, by the way? Why is it Costa Rica? It's not illegal there. Okay. That's yeah, and there's some. <laughs> that's helpful. <laughs> and uh, there, so there were some traditionally trained providers helping people there. And we were so drawn and inspired to go to the roots. And really, and we also had such a great experience of the traditional elements of ceremony, the traditional uh, oral transmission, the wisdom teachings, and the music. The music is incredible. The polyrhythms, uh, it's so much a part of the medicine. And the Buitu would consider the music to be absolutely just integral to a great ceremony. So we went out there to Africa. And the way that Chor describes the ceremonies is uh, a freight train on a roller coaster on a rocket ship. Like imagine the most vivacious, um, like Christian Baptist church, you know, singing and you know how they like sing and they sing so beautifully in the choir. Well, it's like that with dancing and drumming and fire dancing for 10 hours straight, full throttle energy. They're like cheerleaders for life, you know, and we got to experience these ceremonies and a rite of passage, which was a test of everything and made everything in human life easier after that. And we had a, our initiation ceremony and We also had a traditional wedding out there, and we've been back two other times for really deep journeys, and we've started to learn the indigenous approaches to science, uh, which are fascinating. I've had uh, the experience of becoming the human x-ray machine, so to speak, and, and, uh, and jungle trekking for plants and finding plants that are needed by people who are sick. It's really interesting. Hmm. Well, is there ever, I mean... Certainly, this doesn't work for you. Certainly, some some people must show up there. They get ten minutes into their iboga trip, and they're like, "Oh boy!" I, turns out, I don't like p- 
polyrhythms or whatever. And then you're like, <laughs> oh no, 10 hours of this music is not my cup of tea. And and they they have, uh, I imagine many of these experiences can be difficult, but difficult in a way that they're just like, uh, confused and and they're they don't uh they they don't end up finding it beneficial um in their life right there must be a few of those out there individual differences and absolutely whatnot. yeah absolutely uh, and i i wouldn't say it's for everyone you know it's mm-hmm. i i love it i'm really happy out there in the jungle trekking around uh communicating with plants that's and the and the music you know uh the providers that I know will not turn it off. <laughs> they don't turn it off. But there's a coaching up until that point uh, that people know what they're getting into. And and if people do go to Africa, you got to know where you're going. I, I, I've and know what to expect and know what the culture is before you go a little bit uh, and have a good rapport. I, I've heard of people having bad experiences, for example, uh, going to Africa or in other medicine situations too, where they don't know much about the provider they're going alone they have no community there and suddenly decide it's not for them in the middle of the ceremony uh, it, people people need to be aware of when they're walking into a, a, a new culture and how how do we be a good guest mm-hmm. you know and the, and the music is so sacred and for a lot of people I've, I've heard this too uh, they hate the music at first and I've seen it happen especially in detoxes I see the that it's almost like you can see the addiction uh, in them saying, I hate that music, turn it off. And we call it, the providers call it the chiseler because it it is helping to extract those things that are not good for us. It's really, um, it, it has these effects on, on our mind. And there's this uh, scientist who learned why it's so valuable in, in scientific jargon, uh, Ume Mas is a scientist that I heard speak at the Global Ibogaine Therapy Conference, and he found that those polyrhythms are helping people to come into the theta state, and which is the best state for healing and balance the hemispheres of the brain, and it also regulates the rhythms of the heart in a really good way. You know, the iboga medicine has an effect on the blood pressure and heart rate, and so the music literally is medicine, and it's... It's good to, you know, even if it's not someone's cup of tea, to come and receive in a respectful way. So I've seen these people who hated it at first love it. Mm-hmm. Love it after. And we play it all the time. I love it. How was um, your first one? Was it like, first off, how long was it? Okay, the very first one was the one where I didn't know if I wanted to do it again. Okay. <laughs> that one. Okay. Then... What, what was the first one that, that, that it took for you? Oh, sure. Yeah, and it, it also took... Um, even though it was challenging because I value exploring the shadow and I value the challenge. I, it doesn't all need to be a joyride, you know? And, and then uh, the second one was an avalanche of beauty, of feeling a very clear space where it was Why just... Why wasn't that the name of your book, by the way? <laughs> avalanche, avalanche of, of beauty. beauty. Okay. I'm saving that for something else. Sure. But yeah, it was. And there was a lot of teachings. I got a lot of answers to questions that I had, even in the first journey before it got really difficult, and the second journey, and prophecy. And the medicine is used for prophecy, but not prophecy like set in stone. It's like 
if you keep going on this path, you know, this is door number one and sure. this is door number two and check it out. Do you want to really go there? I've seen that. I've, I've had, I've, you know, your, your, your inner world um, can certainly, even, even the most skeptical person would have to agree that you're, you're, we've all had daydreams. Uh, your inner world is more than capable of, of running kind of simulations and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and visualizing um, future uh, experiences. Um, but I've had experiences during, like, say, ayahuasca, for example, where I really kind of see a through line for the rest of my, but multiple, like it's like I'm given choices and I can kind of see, like I can nudge myself this way a little bit and go down this one. And that that's what, and it's not that it's like you said, set in stone, right. but, um, but if anything, at least as a, as a, at the very least as, as a metaphor, as a, as a tool for per- personal growth, this can be something that is, um, uh, important and like we mentioned uh, like i kind of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast kind of uh it's one thing to to know that you should do yoga for example or eat better or something but it's it's another to kind of see it in an experience like that and internalize mm-hmm. it and personalize it mm-hmm. yeah internalize it and, and you brought up a good point of you know is it all the medicine and it's it's really how we how we meet the medicine how do we come to the medicine and and how do we practice like the end of the ceremony is just the beginning of so much real work so what is the integration like for iboga sure well a little bit about our process um immediately i got the inspiration to start writing this story and it took about six months, and it was 400 pages, and I, I, I got to edit it over and over again, and, and the whole experience became like uh, the whole experience became like diamonds that in my mind, just going over it and 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 remembering that experience. And Chor immediately painted this beautiful series of paintings where I could see the the medicine coming through them in, a, in this visual transmission. So that was part of his integration. And after six years of having no interest in yoga, he suddenly had an interest in yoga and meditation. We started meditating every morning, which is a great form of integration. And then he uh, started practicing Krav Maga uh, like a maniac, you know, the Israeli fighting style. He, but that was a good focus of his energy. He has very big, strong energy. He's like going 300 miles an hour wherever he goes. And so when it's pointed in a healthy direction, he does amazing things. And he learned better self-care instead of uh, burning himself out. So he was doing like three classes a day sometimes of Krav Maga. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> really forget. Good. That's an important part. So you take Iboga, you have this experience. And then afterwards, don't forget, you still have to practice kicking people in the balls. <laughs> Three times a day, ideally. <laughs> Three times a day. It'll help work out the funk on a daily basis. Um, and we had to, honestly, we were stripped of, of crutches in our in our certain ways after the medicine. We had to change our whole life. I've had a very colorful life, as you, you'll learn if you read the book. And we had to change a lot very quickly. And I was committed to this new path um, and the new callings. So we had a lot of changes to make. And we had to learn better communication skills. You know, uh, someone coming out of 
deep patterns, both of us, you know, we really, we really had to work. And I remember the moment about six months later, the, uh, the medicine at first was the most profound serotonin boost I've ever experienced after medicine that lasted the longest. And so six months later, I was sitting in my backyard and just being present with the spirit of the medicine and received this message that, okay, my metabolites are leaving. I'm leaving your body now, totally. Now it's time for you to feel the strength of your own legs, was how I heard it, to like remember the teachings, to practice the teachings every day with my mind and be intentional about what I spent time thinking about every day, being conscious of of where my mental energy was going. Did you find that afterwards? Did you... Because uh, uh, there's all this personal growth. Did, it, uh, did you find yourself... Um, uh, kind of working on, so you had your here. You are. You're trying to save this man's life, and and uh, and he goes down. And he gets help. He kicks his heroin addiction. Afterwards, where you like, also, I've been meaning to talk to you about like folding your socks. So, <laughs> like I was kind of letting it go, and I was worried you're going to OD each day. But like that splatter when you like, can you just like wipe off the toilet a little bit after? It's just kind of gross. Was there was there some, <laughs> some stuff like that too? It must have it must have been a dramatic change once once all the pieces start clicking together. I say this because I'm going through my own kind of personal growth um at at the Mm -hmm. moment and i've been on i've been on a bit of a hot streak and uh you know i've I've had a good six or seven months which is a long period for me to have a a consistently good amount of time Mm -hmm. uh and uh you know exercising but once you start once you get those that ball rolling of those positive habits uh it's it's easy to start getting some more of those small things um clicking into place in your life too and just feeling better uh about yourself oh, yeah. in general and then, then that's kind of self-reinforcing and uh and then this is like a lot of this when you talk about the creating a better relationship with yourself and and forming a better connection with yourself and and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'm not sure you used the word self-love, but we talked about self-hate. It's yeah. it's easier once you start kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, getting those uh, getting those better habits. And, and like now the dishes aren't piled. Like <laughs> it's all, all those little things that you don't think about when, when everything's like, when, when you're just trying to survive. keep things together and survive. Yeah. Well, the good thing is he's never been messy. I like that. He's not too messy. Um, but we had this moment where we got back. And, and I, I really didn't have to bug him uh, about too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really, the communication practice was our, our biggest um, hurdle together. But after we got back, I, we were up in the bedroom, and he was at his desk, and I was looking at the closet, and I saw that he had cleaned out his closet right after we got back and had gotten rid of things he wasn't using and had neatly stacked and folded um, a lot of his clothing. And, and <laughs> I turned to him and I said, that's what Iboga did to your brain, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it was absolutely physically in front of my face. And since then, he's, he's just been on such a good path. And I, he really saved his own life because he was willing. He was willing to participate fully and really integrate. And I respect him deeply as a medicine person. And we're both Iboga providers in training right now. And he amazes me. Uh, his strength, he's my rock a lot now um 
it's it's been awesome to watch the medicine grow into every part of his life. Well, that is absolutely terrific. I, I love hearing uh, your story in a much more expanded version here. This is uh, this is quite a treat for me and the listener. I have my guests each week plug a, uh, a charity of their choice, and also uh, we need to get all all that all that wonderful information again for people about the book and the website and sure. everything else you want to plug. Thank you. So you can find the book, this radical love story. I, I guess it's one of the only psychedelic love stories that are out there. And uh, Heart Medicine, A True Love Story, One Couple's Quest for the Sacred Iboga Medicine and the Cure for Addiction. You can find it on any of the major online booksellers, Amazon, IndieBound, Kobo, Apple Books. Uh, it's, it's around. And uh, ebast.net is my website where you can find out about my coaching practice and you can find the iboga resource page. Um, I invite everyone to check out Chore's artwork at choreboogie.com where you can play the fun game of seeing uh, which of his paintings are iboga inspired and checking that out. And I'd love to plug a, a charity, Cosmic Sister. Cosmic Sister is a psychedelic feminist organization that is proactively fostering diversity within psychedelic medicine and culture and they're also sending grant recipients female grant recipients into the amazon to work with female shipibo healers for their own growth and they're all about cognitive liberty and respecting things that feel and uh, they're at cosmicsister.org their fiscal fiscal sponsor is maps um, and you can find out how to donate when you go to cosmicsister.org. Well, that's wonderful. Is it? Are they? Are they planning to take over Iboga? To the 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 feminine spirit already has ayahuasca in her clutches. <laughs> is is Iboga next on on the radar? I think they're planning to take over the world. Oh no! Yep. Uh, well, I, uh, that's wonderful. <laughs> People should check out all of that fantastic stuff. Check out more. Also, you can go to the here we are podcast.com website to click on all of those links and find out more about Elizabeth Bast. And you can also find my new, um, uh, I, I boga bark infused wrinkle cream <laughs> slash aphrodisiac, uh, <laughs> order, order it today. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for, for joining us. Ibogafacials. <laughs> uh, com. Oh, quick, I better get on. <laughs> now we're going to be racing to, uh, to get, uh, claim that website look, right look after. Look deeper, look deeper. <laughs> look you. deeper, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. Next week on the Here We Are podcast, we're going to be talking with Dan Everett about the evolution of language. He's written about 15 books. He is a really, really uh, bright, interesting, and fun guy to talk to. Very good at explaining a really uh, interesting and complex story of the evolution of language in a digestible way. 
So check out Dan Everett. Check out his uh, his books. Maybe look into them uh, ahead of time, and you'll hear them on the podcast next week. Please check out psychonauticsfilm.com. And uh, by the way, um, I, I haven't mentioned Myco Meditations in a while, but I'm doing another one of their retreats. It's sold out. I haven't mentioned them because uh, they sold out all of the time, and we're kind of changing. We're still figuring out um, kind of going forward what me working with them looks like and how much I, I i'm not sure i'm going to have much time for it in the future but i'm still a big supporter of what they do so if you're interested in doing legal psilocybin retreats go to myco meditations and take a look at going to jamaica uh, it's it's a great time and i've seen some amazing things happen for people i've also seen some people have a you know mild experience and i've also seen people have their lives just absolutely changed seemingly miracles happening and uh, I don't throw around uh, (laughs) words like that but uh, really incredible changes in people especially if you're new to psychedelics you've never done them before you're curious you want to do it in a safe professional environment micro meditations is a real great option for you and please support Stand Up Science. I'm going through the southeast, got uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, Asheville, Charleston, Savannah, Georgia, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Nashville, Lexington, Kentucky, St. Louis, Boulder, Denver coming up, and then uh, heading to Jamaica, then coming back and doing California, LA, and San Diego, adding a couple more California dates that we're working on. And then going to be in the Northwest, Portland and Seattle, adding maybe a couple other Northwest dates as well. And then probably taking a little time off for the summer and getting ready for some shows. And and probably July going to start back up again. So there's a good chance if you know anyone in any of those areas, it's still, this is still a new show. It's still, um, the biggest challenge is just spreading the word and getting the word out to people who would be interested. Every city has thousands and thousands and thousands of people that would love stand-up science if they knew what it was and knew uh, when it was happening and everything else. And reaching those people is quite the chore. So uh, anything you can do to help out in that regard, that means that the stand-up science will be more successful and i'll get to keep doing it keep touring with it all over the country bring it bringing it back to places as long as it's a economically viable thing so please help spread the word for me for stand up science once again check out psychonauticsfilm.com those of you that listen all the way to the end you are of course my favorites (laughs) 